so sad. I find that department stores are like closing all around. I just don't think it bodes well for Canada. Oh, it sure doesn't seem that way, does it? It was a retail shocker hearing the news that Nordstrom is closing all of its Canadian operations, including that retail store right here in downtown Vancouver. One that, for the most part, every time I went in there, seemed pretty busy. What's even more troubling is that the company's statement said they did not see a path to profitability in Canada. What is going on here? Well, joining us is David Ian Gray, founder and principal of Dig360. David, thanks for being back with us. Hey, how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm a little upset at this news, though. I thought I thought Nordstrom here was doing well. Uh, I w- I'm gonna be honest. I was upset as well. Um, you know, I um, industry watcher, but I'm also uh, occasionally I do shop myself, and uh, I, I was a fan of Nordstrom. Um, it was struggling. It it was probably on its uh, ascendancy around 2017 to 2019 in that range. You know, settling in takes a little time to ramp up in a new market. Uh, but the pandemic uh, just did so much damage to all fashion uh, businesses. And, they, you know, just by the scale of what they have to sell that's fashion. So do you uh, think that's what it was here? Hard. That this was the uh, a result of the pandemic? Um, I think there's a number of factors that came into play. I think the pandemic and then to, uh, fashion choice changed coming out of the pandemic and we're in a recession now. Uh, we just are not seeing the demand. Uh, let's start with work, work from home and uh, hybrid work, right? Like the demand for the kind of clothing Nordstrom sells, it's not athleisure uh, primary. So, you know, there's some challenges there. Uh, I would argue that if we looked at all their uh, stores across the United States, um, certainly Vancouver would be in the better performing. I would think probably probably Yorkdale and Toronto would be up there. Um, but I think it's rather easy for an offshore uh, retail chain to call uh, an overseas, we'll call it overseas or cross-border market. And it is to focus on their domestic market. We just see it time and time again. I know, but why not then say, okay, well, we've got these two well-performing stores. We'll just keep those two. That's what I would have liked to have seen. Um, This seems like such a sudden all or nothing move. Um, I don't know. Because of the nature of how they report their their figures, it's going to be fascinating if they do their file through bankruptcy protection because they're going to have to share a lot of data. Right. But there could be a critical mass that they need in Canada to warrant a lot of the cross-border shipments and things like that. I don't know. I would have thought um, that would make sense. Having one... By comparison, Chicago's around the same size as a major market uh, to Toronto, and Chicago's got one Nordstrom. Toronto has three. Uh, New York has one main flagship, and then another little network of, of um, what's called local shops that are small format Nordstrom's. Um, so Toronto really is outside. So I guess I would agree with you in, in principle, um, but we don't really know what, what went on there. I, I will say there's another variable that may or may not have come into play or pushed it over the edge. There's an activist American investor uh, named Ryan Cohen. He got involved with GameStop and jumping that chart all over, the, all over in 2020. And he was involved in the 
sort of call it shenanigans with Beth, uh, Beth, Beth, Bath and Beyond um, of late, and he's been gobbling up Nordstrom shares and stated he's seeking a board seat. And it's a very proud thing to talk about the Nordstroms, and I don't know if that timed into this or factored in. Like they might be retrenching um, is what you're thinking? Pro- is that they might be thinking we've got to protect yeah, our defenses? We have to do do whatever it takes. Uh, instead of looking to the future, really do whatever it takes to protect her. Yeah. I guess, speculating. Yeah, but. David, I guess what I also wonder, too, is like we were talking about how well-established Nordstrom was here in Vancouver. It's really hard to win hearts and minds of, of people, particularly shoppers, but it feels like they had done that, hadn't they? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to see in comments online, a lot of people were turned off by the Nordstrom prices, but they were never the target. You know, Nordstrom is not, um, you know, at the discount end of the spectrum, but the people who uh, like fashion were willing to a little more, not necessarily the high school, just, you know, a little more upmarket and aspired that way really found Nordstrom to be a breath of fresh air. Uh, just the, the level of service, the atmosphere. Um, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of good they were doing in the market, and they really upped the game of a lot of retail around them. Uh, but, you know, Canada, by and large, tends to be a little bit um, more, uh, I guess, uh, value conscious um, as by nature here than uh, right. typically. But, David, do you think maybe can can we reserve judgment then on what this means for the Canadian retail landscape or, or why it happened? Like, it's not about Canada not being able to sustain this. Like, maybe there's more going on, as you pointed out. Okay, well, I'm going to be very quick on that. Canada is a really good retail market if you understand and commit to the market. There's um, we, we tend not to be as spiky at the high end, you know, the uber luxury, but we also... Um, are not um, we, we we have a we have a good safety net here, and we've got a good base of consumer uh, spending. It, it's very solid. And so, let me flip it to you and say, what's the story with uh, Lululemon and Aritzia headquartered right here? They've had True. record years, you know, um, both the Canada side and U.S. side. I think one of the patterns I've seen is, and I'll, I've said this quite often, is when you have a called an offshore headquartered chain. So it's either in the U.S. or it's headquartered in Europe or Asia. If things aren't working out well for them across their whole business, there's just a natural tendency not to cut close to home. Uh, the cut will come in their, in their overseas or offshore business. Toys R Us, which I was never, you know, I don't think they did a stellar job, but the Canadian arm of Toys R Us actually did. They were profitable. It was the U.S. Uh, core business that was hurting, but you know they're trying. It's natural tendency. If it was headquartered in Canada, we'd probably do the same thing. We'd look to protect our domestic market, and if it meant offloading some assets elsewhere, we would do so. But more and more Canadian retail is being run by headquarters outside of Canada, so we're going to see that more and more. But it's not an indictment of Canadian consumers. This seems because this seems short-sighted to me to get that toehold once again. That is hard to do, but they seem to have done it. Um, I, I would agree, and I don't. It'd be. I think there's a story that will emerge in terms of what really happened here. Um, they never. There was always talk about having a Canadian 
headquarters in Mississauga. That never happened. Um, I would think if these, if if it was um, two major American markets, or put Calgary in the mix, the three American markets that we're talking about, I just suspect there would have been more effort uh, put into to finding a path. Um, but it's uh, like I say, it's sort of an easy out. The the other thing, of course, is when you're shipping product across border, even if it's within the same company, there's issues with that. And, you know, there's a few other idiosyncrasies about the fact that we're different countries. Um, but, and by the way, they, they're talking about not being profitable, but they weren't horribly unprofitable. Like, you know, it's big numbers for us as individuals, but in terms of the, just taking a look at the first numbers they've shared, typically those would be numbers you'd want to, fix and get get built up but they may also i'll I'll add one more angle to this Mm -hmm. maybe on the contrarian side i've always been pessimistic about the future of department stores so we see uh the bay um you know holtz here in canada um nordstrom is a good example kind of trying to find a path through to some sort of utopian other side but it never happens and i think Department stores were developed in the first half of the 1900s, and they were innovative. They were the forefront of modern retailing. But, you know, we've got enclosed shopping malls now. We've got online businesses. We've got brands that have their own stores that are selling direct to us. And I just think the relevance of having, like, a multi-floored, massive beast of a place, even if I like to shop at yeah. All that, all the staff that are needed, all the product that needs to be inventoried and displayed and priced. I don't think you'd invent a department store like that today from scratch. That's very true. Uh, David, thank you for your time on that today. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, good, good luck if you uh, get down there and try and find a couple of items before they close up. There's still some shopping to be done. <laughs> and say hi to the staff. Say hi to the staff. I know. The staff are really good there. David, thank you for that. That's David Ian Gray, founder and principal of Dig360, talking about the closure of Nordstrom. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.